solo mente. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Locked On Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y, D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. And we have not opened like this in a long time, but I'm with my partner in crime, John, some sports guy Hickman. John, what's going on, my man? Hey, man. You know what? We haven't opened like this in a while, so... A uh, little little shifting of gears, right? But I'm super excited for today's Friday show of the Locked On Texas podcast, your team every day. And we all free and available on all major platforms. Uh, I'm happy because we got a guest on and it takes the pressure out for us, but it also allows a, another a, a body in the media of Houston to discuss the Houston Texans. And today we have run the show Hughley from Sports Talk 16 Radio. And we have an interview at the beginning and then it turns into a discussion, just two guys talking Texan, we go from whether or not it's fair to say that Cully should not get a shot in year two, get his thoughts on that, discuss Lovey Smith and Tim Kelly as the coordinators. Then we also transition over to the front office. How does he feel about Nick Serio right now? And he kind of gives some advice to the fans who I know are hurting right now uh, because he's a Chiefs fan. He kind of knows how it feels to break down before you build up. So we, we talk about that as well, man. I can't wait to dive into it. Welcome back, Locked On Texan fans, to this Friday installment of the Locked On Texas podcast. Your first listen. Thank you for making us your first listen. We are free and available on all major platforms. I am super excited for today's episode, simply because, as promised, we got Ron Hughley from Sports Talk 610 Radio on for today. Welcome to the Locked On Texas podcast, my man. That's right, baby. Yeah, Ron, the show in the building. I've been waiting uh, to get with you. Uh, I, uh, I I enjoy... Uh, what you guys are doing so uh yeah man i'm excited to uh to jump on with you see what you see what you got what what you about to what you about to put me into what you want to chop it up about man well first i want to talk to you about the texas when you cover at 16 with chris sterner is it fair to say david cully should not get a shot at year two i mean listen i personally uh i don't think he should um but i don't think he should ever been hired and um and I, I I feel bad because I don't think we're seeing how David Cully would really run a team. I don't think he has very much power. I don't think he has very much decision-making power. I mean, it was a dead giveaway when my man wasn't able to hire his own staff. Like, there's no way in the world that he would keep, uh, you know, Tim Kelly on. All right, man, you got your chance right here. 65 years old, man. This is a chance. You you know, you're a coach, and, and let's just be honest, you're a black coach, and we don't get these opportunities very much at all. And, hey, what's the first thing you're going to do? Hey, I'm an offensive-minded coach. Let me keep a guy I've never worked with or never met before and run an offense that I'm not familiar with. He's been under Andy Reid for years and years and was with John Harbaugh for years and years. Like, he's under that umbrella. This guy is under Bill O'Brien, and let me keep him to run my offense on my on my one chance to be a head coach. No, that don't make no sense right there. That was a dead giveaway that he don't have any power and he's not making a lot of decisions. So I do feel bad from that aspect that, 
Hey, man, I mean, is this really how David Culley would run a team if he was a head coach? But he's just not a head coach. Like, we've even seen enough on how he handles the media, decisions he makes, and everything like that. He's just not a head coach. In my opinion, what I've said is, man, they need to go do and really look at what the Arizona Cardinals did in 2018, what Steve Kime, a.k.a. White Suge Knight, if you ever seen Steve Kime, man, that man looks like <laughs> a white version of Marion Knight. He looked just like Suge Knight, just just white version of it. But he came scary in. and all. Yeah, scary and all. Yeah, you don't want to come to his office. Like, he don't even got a dude that cut people. He just do it. Uh, but but my, my man looked at the situation, and I really don't think Steve Wilkes had a fair shake there either, but he looked at the situation and he said, man, this ain't working. That's a mistake. I look at Kyler Murray. I know I drafted Josh Rosen last year, but let me look at Kyler Murray. I like the way that works, and let me get a coach that fits that because I think that works. And he fired Steve Wilkes after one year, and now look at where the Arizona Cardinals are with Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury because he didn't just continue to say, all right, I made a mistake. Let me just lean in on this mistake and try to make this thing fit and work. He saw enough for him that that didn't work. And if Nick Casario – and Jack and Cal aren't looking at this and not seeing enough, like then they're, 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 that's on them. So you mentioned Tim Kelly and how uh, a first-year head coach didn't get the opportunity to pick his own coaching staff, and everybody looked at Tim Kelly as the number one, uh, I guess, helper to try to get Deshaun back. It's too late in the game. He was already so far gone with not returning to the Houston Texans. So they keep them around. What has been your assessment of the offense so far this year? I know it's bad, but is there anything that you can take away that's positive, or is there anything that you know needs to change for year two of uh, Nick Casario's GM tenure? John, hell no, there ain't nothing to take away for positive. Nothing positive? Not a drip. They are almost 32 across the board right now. They're 31st in passing. Like, like, like they're they're like they're thirty. They're almost thirty-two in run total offense yards passing. The only thing they're they're not is they're thirty-first in, in in passing. I think Davis Mills this weekend may be able to change that. Like I, I like I, <laughs> no man, it, it's it's not good offensively. They can't run the ball. They haven't been able to run the ball in two years. Who thought it could get worse? It got worse. Um, they like uh, like Clint said this the other day, man. You, you know, most coaches have the first fifteen plays scripted. Like when you come out there, you worked all week, you game plan, you got the first fifteen plays scripted. You know, his first play was a pass play to Davion Davis. Like I don't, I mean, I just like come on, man, what are we doing here? Like and, and Tim Kelly, it, it all needs to be torn down, all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like. I think you got to completely start over. The only people I think you don't start over with that you don't really consider starting over with are players that are young and on rookie contracts. And you look at that. And I'm meaning like Nico Collins. I'm meaning like Brevin Jordan. I'm meaning like Titus Howard. Everybody else, man, they, they like you can tear it down. You've got to go through a whole new offensive staff. Maybe Pep Hamilton. I don't know. I mean, like, I, I'll be honest with you. If I'm, if I'm a guy like Pep Hamilton and I'm looking, like, I don't know if I want to stay here with, yes. with what's going on myself, but I, I think it's got to be all torn down. They need a completely new scheme and system. They've had like 30 offensive linemen and like 12 running backs. None of them work. 
right? So it, I'm like, none of them, all of them struggle. So I like, I don't, I just, it's, it's just, it all needs to be started over. This is, this is one of the worst offensive stretches I've ever seen. And the difference is last year you had a dude in Deshaun Watson that could make it look better and that he could, you know, make something out of nothing at times, or it would have looked this bad last year. So I, I think it all needs to be ripped apart. I want to talk about the coordinators really quick. Now you already mentioned Tim Kelly and how bad he's been, but if there's any bright spots to take away is Levy Smith does has his defense sitting at number 15 overall in passing defense. The last four weeks they've had uh, 12 turnovers and two weeks they had 10, you know, uh, how do you feel about Levy Smith so far this year and what he's accomplished with this defense that lacks talent? Yeah. Lovey to me would have made much more sense to be the head coach. Right now, just with Absolutely. his experience and everything, like the, you look at it and the situation, it makes more sense to be the head coach. The Lovey Smith thing, John, is interesting because, like, I've been trying to figure with myself, is Lovey, am I really impressed by what Lovey's doing? Or am I impressed by what Lovey's doing because I look over at the other sides of the balls in terms of special teams and the, and the offense, and it's so rough that he looks like he is the greatest thing since sliced bread. I, I Listen, I think I would lean towards he's doing a pretty good job because he doesn't have top-tier talent. And Jonathan Grenard has developed into somebody you're like, hey, you know, you might have something down the line. and um, But not much else. Uh, he's really handled teams that he should handle. But when they played against good offenses, I mean, they've got shellacked. Now, I want to also say it it does hurt that when you strap it up and you know your offense is going to walk out there and do nothing. Like right. when you know, you know you're coming in and you got to pitch a shutout, it, it means nothing. But when I do look at the really good offenses, like Arizona beat the brakes off of them. When I look at the really good offenses, the Rams, they went up and down the field on them. I mean, and, and when I look at what the Colts have done to them, uh, like when you look at the really good – like they shut down the Dolphins like they should. They shut down the Chattanooga Titans like they should because that wasn't Tennessee. I mean, that – I mean, that's – that's that's no – They put game. a cloak on that game? Yeah, was that yeah, not that the was, real t- that Tennessee? Was, yeah, that was a minor league team that they had rolling out there. They shut those teams down like they should. Uh, but the, the really good teams – uh, it, it got away from him. But I don't think he has high-end talent. Um, and he gets a lot of his talent uh, has been jerked around from him, like Justin Reed missing a game or or Zach Cunningham missing games or or uh, Charles Amenahu, who when I watched uh, in preseason was in, in training camp was the best defensive player on the field. He missed several games and then got traded away. And I, I think the thing that really impresses me, Michael, the one thing – that he really preached and pushed was turning the ball over. And you can tell they made an emphasis of it in the, in the, uh, in training camp. And it has shown that there is a real focus on that. Like they, they, they get turnovers or at least force the ball out to give themselves a chance at turnovers. And that's good to see that they, that that is something that he really emphasized. And it's actually something that we're seeing come to fruition on the field. When we come up next, coming up next, excuse me, we're going to talk about the front office side and some of the decisions that were made 
and how could we really assess the general manager position. So don't go anywhere. This is the Locked on Texas podcast. Joined by Ron Hughley. This conversation will get a little bit more interesting. Super Bowl 56 at SoFi Stadium is less than 100 days away and on location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL is the only place to score a -a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Select your exact seats. Choose from elite experiences featuring an inclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star hotels in L.A., and fooled by the great Wolfgang Puck. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar has ever tasted. Bill Bar, filled with so much holiday goodness, rich and decadent flavor, covered in 100% chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugars, net carbs, and fat, but high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy with so many flavors, you will have a hard time choosing. You have mint brownie, raspberry, cherry, double chocolate, and my personal favorite, at least one of them, the cookies and cream. You also can take a dive into the peanut butter brownie. Some of the marshmallowy treats around the holidays, Bill Bar needs to be right in your hands. And make sure you check out the Bill Bar Puffs. They are light, they are fluffy, and marshmallowy through and through. Different flavors, all covered in chocolate, taste so good, you won't believe that they are filled with protein. Go to build.com, use promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at billbar.com. Okay, Locked On Texans fans, and again, thank you for making the Locked On Texans your first listen every day. We are free and available on all major platforms. Ron, you know, I'm going to go right into it, go straight right into it. Given the fact that Nick Asario has had a lot of limitations this past offseason, didn't have the draft capital, had to do a lot to work through that salary cap, mess that was created by Bill O'Brien and the previous regime. How much blame does he get for assembling this roster? Well, for assembling the roster, he gets all of it. I mean, he put that that most of that roster together. I mean, they had they got like 50 to 60 new players that have played this year. They, they completely turned the roster over. Uh, so his decision to go uh, veteran one- to two-year deal, deal guys – instead of just like, all right, let me go really, really young, uh, that decision uh, for the most part has backfired, right? I think there's a couple of um, bright spots like Camu Grugier-Hill has been uh, pretty good for the most part. I think Malik Collins, outside of personal foul issues he's had, he's been pretty good. But other Mm -hmm. than that, man, there's not a lot to take like that. Like how many people can you count to you say that you say, boy, he brought this guy in in the offseason and that guy became a real player. Like, I feel like I named the two of them. Like, um, I, I would say Desmond King has had some moments where you consider him to bring him back next year. And he's had but, some moments, but I don't think they're going to with his issue. Right. And I don't think he'll like, I mean, I, Des King, he's, he's been, he's been cool. Right. But like, He's been cool, but like they jerked him around. Like, I mean, like, why was he not returning kicks early in the season when it was very clear he was, he was a guy that that should have been doing that over True. Andre Bad Knees Roberts. Like, I like so. I mean, there's just a, but all right. Let's throw him in three, three out of like 50, 60 players that they they changed. Like, and, and and like so the Charlie Hex aren't him, you know, uh, and 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 you know the the. Uh, 
Mur Eric Murray's not him. Those were all brought in by the previous uh, group. But I mean, he's got he's gotten his hands on most of this roster, and there's just not a, a ton that you take away from this year. And I'm not talking about the draft picks, but the guys that he's brought in. It's just not a ton you take away from this year where you say, "All right, man, they they've got some guys that can that can really be players." Uh, uh, for this like the best guy to me that you look at that's young that's come around is Jonathan Renard and that was not somebody he brought in so this roster and where it is is completely on Nick Casario what are some of the improvements he needs to make for year two since he'll have a full draft and more money to play around with in the salary cap well he's got a bang I mean he, the draft he's got a hit right like like that number Any players one. specifically you like to see in Houston? Um, I like Aiden Hutchinson uh, out of Michigan. I think uh, I think he's real good. If if people wouldn't try to make him the next JJ Watt just because of his appearance and how he looks, you know what's going to happen? Uh, but but I like him. I like his motor. Someone to really start with the safety uh, out of Notre Dame. I know we we talked to John Harris who really breaks down. Uh, uh, the draft stuff, and very impressive with him. Um, no, generally you don't like to to draft safeties that early, but I mean this team. Uh, I mean they need it all, so they they could use a lot of stuff. Neil, the the tackle out of Alabama, um, is 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 somebody that's pretty good. Uh, so like any of those three guys, which I think the Texans will have a chance at to get them. Uh, but he's got, but they got a hit, right? Like he can't, like he can't have misses. They got a hit. Um, and, and in the second round, they got a hit as well. And free agency has to be better than what it is. If we've come up with like three players, it's got to be more than three players that he brings in next year in free agency that, that you can see helping down the line. So uh, I, I'm going to tell you right now, John, I'm just – there's been a couple moves uh, that Nick Casario has made and – I think Nick's a, is a good dude. I've had conversations with Nick, and he and he seems like a a good cat. Uh, I'm gonna tell you right now. I said it on the show a couple of weeks ago. I don't think I don't think that Nick Casario is going to be the person that brings the Texans back to winning. Um, I, I I think Texans fans personally, and I and listen, I don't have a dog in the fight. I'm just looking at it objectively. Um, there there are just too many decisions uh, that he's made. I said this before. Uh, the David Cully hire is worse than anything Bill O'Brien did as a general manager. And, and I know that includes trading to DeAndre Hopkins, okay. uh, but you're, you're starting over, right? You, you, you talked about it, right? Leading into this, all of the things he had to deal with the salary cap. Uh, I don't even know if he knew the Jack Easterby situation was as, as bad as it was fan base down, like no excitement at all. It just, waiting for bad things to continue to happen. No young players. You need to start over. You're ripping it apart. And the first thing you do after sitting next to the greatest head coach in the history of team sports since I've been alive, Bill Belichick, you sat next to him and understood how important it is to have a leader and a culture starter and a head coach in David and Bill O'Brien. And the first move, the two biggest moves to me in any – NFL or any football organization is coaching quarterback and you hired David Culley and then not just hired David Culley, someone who's never been a coordinator, which I think there is something you got to look at that. All right. Like yes. when he came up, 
as a, as a black man in the NFL, they weren't exactly getting a lot of jobs. But later on in life, under Andy Reid, Andy Reid, I know I covered Andy Reid for years in Kansas City. Um, he has he's had black coaches rise up to be coordinators. He's got a black offensive coordinator right now, and Eric Bieniemy. Um, he never he never thought to make him a coordinator. He's never run uh, a, a side of the ball. He's never uh, spoken to the media consistently. His whole career, uh, for almost 30 years, he's spoken to the media once, maybe twice a year. You're coming into a situation where you're handling Deshaun Watson, and then the Deshaun Watson thing took off to a whole nother place. You're handling a whole new group of, of, of players and and, and one of the worst uh, situations, one of the worst um, dysfunctional organizations we've seen in a long time. And your move after sitting next to Bill Belichick for 20 years is to bring in somebody who was clearly unfit, like unprepared, not unfit, but not prepared to be a head coach and to handle this situation. And you interviewed him. You interviewed Eric Bieniemy. You interviewed Leslie Frazier, who's been a head coach. You interviewed Jim Caldwell, who's been a head coach. You interviewed Brandon Staley. You interviewed Matt Eberflus. And four of those guys don't have jobs. And you said to yourself, yep, <laughs> David Culley is the one. And then you're going around and you're turning Jeff Driscoll into a tight end. And it's your idea, as the uh, the tight end coach said, yeah, I think he's, that's what you're evaluating. Like those two things right there, you're evaluating Jeff Driscoll and thinks he could be a tight end. Let's move him. You're evaluating head coaches, the major decision you got to make, and you go with David Culley. That to me believes makes me believe, John, that you're taking that same mind to evaluate the players that you got to bring in. You're th that same mind to evaluate the quarterback mm. that you got to bring in to change this organization. And like, I, I'm not comfortable with that with everything he's shown. So I, I, I mean, I'll put it, I put it down already this year. Um, I think it's just going to be a matter of time. I don't think that Nick Casario is going to be the guy that brings this, this, this organization back to winning. Well, here's my personal assessment of uh, Nick Casario. I think what Nick wants to be is the end all be all. Now that's cool. If you're going to be in the front office to be the end all be all as a GM, but I think he wants to be the leader as a head coach. I think that the decisions that are being made. Uh, David Culley has been the face and scapegoat of these decisions, strictly based on Nick Casario wants to do it. I look at moves like benching Lonnie Johnson. Whether or not we believe he's a good player or so, I can. I think we all can agree he's gotten an unfair shake since he's been drafted to Houston. The offensive lineman that he knew had injury histories, uh, injury history and issues, bringing them in and th those guys getting uh, starting spots. And now breaking news, releasing Zach Cunningham. Zach Cunningham just got released mm. in the midst of doing the show. So, you know, these decisions where they, you know, you look at this roster that's very limited with talent, you are doing things that jeopardize the success of this season. Whether it was going to be a lot to begin with or not, you still have to put your best product on the field. And at many times, Houston has failed to do that. Now, releasing Zach Cunningham, what does that mean for you? Well, I mean, it's – I mean, it's a move they had to make, in my opinion. Like, if you're if you're pushing this culture thing, Zach Cunningham, this is 
it, it has to be. He's not going to be here next year. He can't be here next year if you're pushing this culture thing. Now we'll see what kind of hit they're going to take with the salary cap because he was your third highest paid player and your highest paid defensive player. But um, to me, he missed it. He skipped a game in, in, in preseason against Tampa. He got suspended for a quarter against Cleveland. And then he set this game uh, because he is a non-vaccinated player and he didn't get, he wasn't on time to get his vaccination test. And really, this has been a problem from what I'm hearing with him this year on getting him in on time to, to be able to get there to get his test, his vaccination test. This is like almost a weekly thing. So to me, with the, with the culture thing you're pushing, uh, Zach Cunningham had to, I mean, he wasn't going to play again for the Texans. Like to me, if he did, then what are you, what are you doing? Um, so the, the Zach Cunningham move, I, it's not that, that big of a, a deal to me, but this is my thing. And I, and, and I want to tie this to what you said, John, of like, you want to be the end all be all. Hey man, I, I don't have a problem with it. If you know what you're doing, right. because Bill Belichick is the end all be all, but he knows, he knows what he's, what he's doing. doing. Vince McMahon is the end-all, be-all in WWE, but he knows what he's doing. Andy Reid is the end-all, be-all in Kansas City, but he knows what he's doing. Pete Carroll, for the most part, has known what he's been doing in Seattle as the end-all, be-all. But your end-all, be-all, I'm fine with it, but you're showing us the end-all, be-all is David Culley is your head coach. You're showing us the end-all, be-all is I want to have a head coach and choose his staff. What in the hell does that work for? I want to keep Tim Kelly in here. The end-all, be-all is, as you said, all right, let me bring in Tyrod Taylor, injury history. Let me bring in Justin Britt, injury history. Let me bring in Marcus Cannon, injury history. Let me bring in Christian Kirksey, injury injury history. Instead of young guys and all of those guys have gotten hurt and been on, and, and been on the shelf. And then, like, to me, you want to push this culture thing. Don't forget. Rex Burkhead, who, you know, Rex I don't Burkhead, know why yeah. he's getting these carries. He's missed. Well, hell, you ain't got no choice. You want to give him to Dave? I don't. Uh, but, I, I mean, but then the culture thing is the big thing you're trying to push. And the Walter Payton nominee man of the year doesn't fit into your culture. I mean, Justin Reed's getting suspended for missing. For He's getting suspended right. missing. How does Justin Reed not fit? So, I mean, your culture thing. Like, and you look at Zach Cunningham, Zach Cunningham, just think about it. Like Zach Cunningham and, and, and a guy like, like, uh, like Justin Reed, they were under Bill O'Brien. They were able to work and not buck. Like you ain't hear it from them. They were under Bill O'Brien, a tyrant, a guy walking around that, 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 that people said they walked around on eggshells because he was so, he was so hard to deal with that time. They didn't buck then. Here you got you got Justin Reed getting into it with David Cully and, and Chris Conley. Now Zach, like you gotta ask yourself if you're Nick Casario. Like, all right, I what had kind to do of the coach move. are you building? Well, I yeah, I had to do the move with Zach Cunningham because really he left you no choice. But how but what happened that I got here that Zach Cunningham became this guy? What's happened that Justin Reed, who has never ever had any issues before? got to a to a space where he's just said to hell with it and he's going off and 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 maybe in, in their feeling being disrespectful to a head coach he's never shown that like like to me the culture you're building ha- has a lot to 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 look at because countless times you're having players 
who have never had issues before now have issues uh, now that's being reported. Like it, it, it's all, all of it is an issue. So I got no problem with you being the end all be all if you know what you're doing, but he is showing time and time again with like almost every important move from culture to head coach to players that you're acquiring to the quarterback position. You, he's, I mean, it, I mean, I don't, there's not a lot of great things. The great thing he's done so far is I think fix the salary cap. Guys, I want to tell you about Stance. Founded in 2009, Stance Apparel represents a radical re-envision of socks, underwear, and active apparel. With a sharp focus of comfort, quality, and creativity, Stance brings an atypical aesthetic alongside of some pop culture's hottest collaborations for the ultimate in style and self-expression. Because everything you wear should be a direct extension of who you are and how you feel. I love those NBA socks, man. They're super comfortable. And sometimes I put them on, I feel like I'm Kobe. I feel like I'm Steph Curry. I feel like I only got 10 threes to go to break the record. But I love those socks because of the comfort. Stance believes in the perfect fit no matter how you feel and how you want to fit in. Those that are good, those that those who feel good, do good. You go see yourself, register for an account at stance.com and get 15% off your first purchase. Use promo code locked on at checkout to apply. Enjoy the color, enjoy the comfort. And life will be a little bit less ordinary with stance. What makes Nick Casario Houston's guy for the last two years? I'm not 100% sure, but he signed a six year contract. And, you know, as a player that during the years of 2007, 2009, the Chiefs only won 10 games, a total of 10 games before winning their division. You know, do you have any advice? Because you are a Chiefs fan, do you have any advice? For the Texan fans right now, who's hurting, frustrated, posting up outside of Cal's owner box, calling him Tommy Boy. You know, they're going through it with these six dollar tickets. They yeah, nobody uh, showed up to the game for it. And I and I've said I've said this before, like Cal McNair, um, I don't think, and I'll say I don't think he's a bad owner. Um, I think he is he's just made bad decisions. And I'm going to tell you, you know, right now, like you can understand in your mind. All right. Because this like this Chiefs, the the Texan situation is so similar to the Chiefs. It's 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 not even funny. Right. I mean, I like and I would even say the Chiefs was worse, uh, which is hard to believe Uh, in ways. It was worse. In 2012, the Chiefs had the worst record in football. They ended up going two and 14. And they got the number one pick in the draft. And who was there in the draft is the quarterback, Geno Smith and EJ Manuel. So there was no quarterback in the draft. And so they had to they had the first pick the year before it was RG3 went two and Andrew, Andrew Luck went one. So that was <laughs> so then the next year they're sitting here with Eric Fisher, the tackle from Central Michigan, as the odds on number one guy. Which, hey, he was there. Uh, he helped him win a championship, although he got his ass kicked repeatedly in that game by Joey Bosa or I mean by Nick Bosa, but whatever. Uh, but they sit there and they sit there with uh, fans flying banners uh, across uh, over Arrowhead Stadium. They had blackouts that never, ever, 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 ever happens in Kansas City where the game ain't full. They had blackouts where Clark Hunt, the owner, had to pay to get the game on TV. Uh, had to pay CBS to get the game on TV in Kansas City. 
it was terrible. They're two and fourteen. Romeo Cronell was the interim head coach that took over uh, uh, in the middle of the season when they fired Todd Haley. He took over. Uh, they went on a bit of a. Uh, they won a couple of games at the end, and then one of the worst things we've ever seen in the history of sports: the worst case of domestic violence. Uh, Jerome, uh, 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 Javon Belcher, uh, the linebacker, went killed his girlfriend at her house, then drove to Arrowhead and then killed himself in front of Scott Pioli, the general manager, Romeo Cornell, and a lot of the coaching staff at the stadium. Then a player kill his girlfriend and then kill himself at the stadium. This was the 2012 Kansas City Chiefs. That's where they were entering. And Clark Hunt had done something before. He brought in Nick, he brought in Scott Pioli, who was Bill Belichick's right-hand man and was thought to be the hottest front office executive out there. Many people thought, all right, he's going to do a good job. He helped build that Patriots uh, team, and they're going to bring him in. And so the hire made sense. You said, hey, man, Clark Hunt, I don't know a lot about football, just like Cal McNair, I don't believe, does. But let me hire the guy that many people think is the best. So he went out and he hired Scott Pioli from the Patriots. And that didn't work because Scott Pioli's first move was to bring in Todd Haley as his head coach, uh, which is a disaster, and to bring in Matt Castle uh, as traded the second-round pick for Matt Castle. That to be his quarterback combination. That's And that's that's where it started, very similar to what's happening with Nick Casario brought him in. But what changed was, I don't like I said, I don't think Cal's a bad owner just like I don't think – uh, Clark Hunt was a bad owner. I just think he made bad decisions. And then finally, after that year, it got so bad, he fired Scott Pioli, and he said, I'm going to go again and find the best football person that I can find. And Andy Reid happened to be available uh, when the Eagles fired him after his 4-12 and season. He brought in Andy Reid, wouldn't let him leave, brought him in. Andy Reid then put everything together and said, look, Andy, you run football, and Andy Reid knows football, and Andy Reid brings in Alex Smith. Three years later, they draft Patrick Mahomes, and in four years, they're in the AFC Championship game from four years prior to having the worst record, no quarterbacks in sight, their players killing his girlfriend and then killing himself and firing everybody. So it can happen. You just have to. Cal McNair has has to. He has to hit on bringing in the right football person. And for me, I don't believe that Nick Casario is the guy. It reminds me very much of Scott Pioli and what happened in Kansas City. I think they're going to have to. It's going to be when they find the right guy after him, and you have to hope. And now, like like. The way that Cal McNair has talked about, Clark Hunt was talked about that way. That idiot, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. All he cares about is filling up the stadium, all of that. And now Clark Hunt's the greatest owner. Look at this, <laughs> boy. He'll pay anybody. Look at what the, the move he did with, with – no. I mean, so it's the right decision, and he screwed up. He should have, He should have hitched his wagons when he fired Bill O'Brien to Deshaun Watson instead of now that would have blown up somehow with with everything that eventually happened but he right. should have gone into the direction of let me sit down like he was doing 
and talk with my quarterback, my franchise guy that I just signed for $140 million instead of my, my team chaplain. Um, and, and he went in that direction instead, because I do think this would look a lot different with, uh, with Lewis Riddick, who I believe uh, his, his team that he hired actually said, this should be the guy that you hired as the general manager um, or Omar Khan from the Steelers. Those were the two uh, that the search committee said you should bring in as the general manager. I think this team may look a lot different because I think this team would have had Lewis Riddick and had Eric Bieniemy right now starting over as a, as their coach and quarterback combination and even and coach and GM combination. And even with everything that happened with Deshaun Watson, I think you would be in a better place of belief and, and uh, hope with that combination than you are right now. Everybody locked on Texas viewers. That was Ron the show. Hughley. Right, Ron, before we got here, let everybody know where they can find any of your work and where they can find you on social media. Yeah, man, just hit me up. Uh, Real Ron the Show uh, on Twitter. You can uh, follow me. Uh, you know, I think I'm. A, I think I'm a good follow. I, I have a good time. I have a good time there. So you can hit me up at uh, Real Ron the Show. You can check uh, a lot of my stuff out at uh, Ron the Show uh, dot com. Got a lot of a uh, lot of stuff, a lot of TV stuff, a lot of uh, segments I've done over the years. So you can check that out. And you can hit me up on uh, Instagram at Ronnie H Show. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, man, uh, come vibe with me every day, two to six. Clint Sterner in the show on Sports Radio 610 here in Houston. Uh, and you check that Odyssey app if, you, uh, if you're if you listening that way. So, uh, yeah, man, uh, I'm, out, I'm out here just like you are trying to trying to make it in this uh, in this uh, in this media, this sports media business. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.